We give you glory and honor and praise, Heavenly Father, this morning. We are so honored and blessed, Lord God, to be in your presence this morning, Lord God. And we know that you are in the midst of us this morning, Heavenly Father, that you are watching over us, Lord God, this morning. And we are grateful to be here this morning, Lord God, to be in your presence, to be in this service this morning, Lord God, to worship you, to hear the word, Heavenly Father, to praise your holy name. For you are more than worthy to be praised and greatly to be praised, Lord God. For you truly brought us from a mighty long ways, Lord God. And we thank you for the good work that you have begun in our lives, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that you continue performing to the day of Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we know that greater is in us than he that is in the world, Heavenly Father, Lord God, this morning. And we praise your holy name, Lord God. And we thank you for everyone that's here this morning, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for those that will be joining us later, Lord God. And we pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that more, Lord God, that more and more and more, Lord God, will come and join us in service on Sunday. And also Bible study and prayer, Heavenly Father, Lord God, because we need you in our life, Lord God, because we can't live without you, Lord God. We ask and pray that your will be done and that you will guide and direct our steps this morning, Heavenly Father. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit this morning. And we pray that the Holy Spirit, Lord God, will have his way, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for our pastor, Lord God, who's going to bring the message this morning, the word this morning. And we thank you, Lord God, for the word that you have put in our spirit, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that you will fill up mouth, Lord God, that when she speaks you, Lord God, that your word will come out, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for your anointing upon her, Lord God, the anointing upon, Lord God, the wisdom that you have given her, Lord God. And we pray that you speak through her, Lord God, this morning. And we thank you, Lord God, that your word will go forth in the power and demonstration by the Holy Spirit. And we know that your word never returns to you void. And your word will always accomplish, to accomplish everything that you send it out to come to accomplish of the Father, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord God, to bless our reverend this morning, Lord God, and bless him, Lord God. And we pray that you continue to have your way in his life also, Lord God. And we pray that you have your way in the lives of everyone that's here this morning. And we thank you, Lord God, we are blessed, fearfully and wonderfully made. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you for keeping us safe. We thank you for keeping our families safe. And Lord God, we have so much, Lord God, that we can praise you for this morning, Heavenly Father, Lord God. We can never praise you enough and thank you enough. And thank you, Lord God, for the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for us on Calvary. And we know there's no greater love than yours, because you gave your only begotten son. And Jesus gave himself for us because he loved us, Lord God. And you brought us from a mighty long ways, Lord God. And we thank you for this day, Heavenly Father. And we pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that someone will be saved today. We pray that someone will come on Zoom, Lord God. Or someone, Lord God, will hear the podcast, Lord God, that someone's life will be changed, that somebody, Lord God, will come to Christ, that will confess of their sins, Lord God, and that you will deliver them, Lord God, and fill them with your spirit, Lord God. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, Lord God. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we want to bind up the enemy this morning, Lord God, that he will not interfere or disrupt or disturb, Lord God, this service, Heavenly Father.
the enemy is not welcome here, Lord God. We put a stop to all his attacks against your people, Lord God, that he will not enter to our homes, that he will not enter our job sites, that he will not enter our lives, Lord God, and disrupt and cause confusion, Lord God, cause sickness and pains, Lord God, or cause anything else, Lord God, that's not of you, Heavenly Father. And we just plead the precious blood this morning, Heavenly Father, and we will continue to stand on the word of God. We will not be moved nor be shaken. We will not compromise, Heavenly Father, because we believe in you and we trust in you, Lord God, and we serve you. And Lord God, and we believe the report of the Lord. And we know, Lord God, about your promises, Lord God. And we know that you are faithful, Lord God, and true to your word, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we will walk by faith and not by sight and continue to call on your holy names. For greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And we serve you, Jesus Christ. And we love you, Lord God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we give you the praise and the honor and glory this morning in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we all say amen. Amen. Now, praise God. We're off to a good start. So we thank God that... Uh, uh, Deacon, you almost gave me another sermon with your prayer, but um, I'm going to stick to what the Lord showed me to do this morning. But there's so much uh, in uh, prayer, and uh, the Deacon, you, you praise the Word. And so when I hear the Word, it always makes me want to teach it or preach it. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to have some uh, praise and worship music now. Uh, Reverend Robinson is going to help us with that. Okay.
Amen. Just imagine the best small business that you could start. Coming not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I come that that they might have life and have and ha, and that they might have it more abundantly. Okay. Anybody else? This purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Oh, that's good. A rich and satisfying life. Anybody else have another different one? Well, praise God, we get the message that Jesus came that we might have life and uh, a, a rich and satisfying life. <laughs> and uh, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we know that the enemy is called Satan. And so... Uh, that's a whole nother testimony and sermon about how he got his name because he was an archangel at one time. He was the, the praise leader in heaven and his name was Lucifer. And uh, he decided that he was more powerful than God. So he got put out and he took with him a third of the angels in heaven. And those angels now are called demons. So we'll talk about that more in another teaching, but we wanted to establish that there's a difference there between Jesus 
and uh, what Jesus came for and what the enemy does. Many people get that confused and they want to give God the credit for making them sick, for causing them not to uh, be able to walk or talk or uh, get a job or whatever it is. But we need to know who does what here and uh, who does the good and who does the bad. So this scripture explains it so wonderfully that, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So let's talk about how he does that. So in our lives, there are things that the devil targets. And it's different uh, for each one of us. Could be the same, many similarities, but also differences in how he does that. And he does it to rob us. And he uh, is not happy with us. I'm saying us, the body of Christ. But he wasn't even happy with us when we were serving him because he tried to kill us then in our sin and in our trespasses. But now we serve a new master, and so it makes him very, very angry, makes him even more uh, angry and and determined to kill us and stop us from serving God and disprove us before God. He likes to uh, get us, uh, point out to God all of our shortcomings. And so this is, this goes on in all of our lives, no matter how good we serve the Lord. In fact, the more we serve the Lord and the more <coughs> faithful we are to God, the more he attacks us. And I was talking to Deacon last night about how the different ways uh, that the Satan attacks us, it may not be the same for you as it is for me, but he's busy trying to get our attention all the time. But a lot of people don't know or realize that they that one of his, uh, the devil's greatest tools is to steal our peace. A lot of people don't realize he's after your peace all the time. And that's how he robs us of God's blessings. Uh, because once we lose our peace, then God is speaking and we can't hear. And we're so focused in on how uh, he stole our peace and what's going on. And oh my God, how am I going to handle this? And what is going on here? And so we can't hear God. We can't hear him. We can't follow directions because we've lost our peace. And so this word that I'm going to use, offense, comes from the Greek word called scandalum. And the word describes a trap that's used to hold bait in order to lure animals. So the offense that Satan does with us is the bait that the enemy uses to trap us. And he'll use people's words, uh, their actions, to get our minds uh, churning and stir up our emotions and get us distracted. That's the bottom line. He likes to distract us from our faith in God. He likes to distract us from what the word says. And he'll do that in any way that he's, he's able to do it. And with each one of us, it can be different. So he uses the bait 
to lure us into a lifetime of bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, strife, hatred, and revenge. I'm going to go over those again. So he lures us into the lifetime of bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. That's a big one. Strife, hatred, and I'm going to get even with you, that revenge thing. So we have to know that when those, those activities, those uh, thoughts come into our minds, that those thoughts are not of God. Those are definitely thoughts that the enemy is planning in our minds. Now, he can't read our minds. A lot of people think the devil can read their mind. He can't read our mind, but he can plant thoughts in our mind that will distract us from the thoughts that God has for us. There's a scripture in Isaiah that said, the, the thoughts that I have for you, uh, no, I'm sorry, that's in Jeremiah, uh, the thoughts that I have for you, the plans that I have for you are for good and not for harm. That's in Jeremiah. But in Isaiah, the Lord says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so in his ways are higher than our ways. And so we have to uh, be elevated to uh, uh, the, the thoughts of God and uh, the word of God because it's different from what Satan has trained us to do. You see, we were first sinners. And uh, if you got saved as a little girl or as a little boy, that's wonderful. But uh, every person that is born into this world uh, that is human is born in sin. So until we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, no matter how much mom and dad kept us in church, we are still belong to the devil's kingdom. And I hate to say those cute little babies and those little toddlers and those uh, teenagers all uh, can operate in the devil's mess unless they're living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our responsibility as much as possible because God doesn't force us to do anything. But I like to get a hold of my, my little grand, my grands, I did it with them and and now my great-grands, when I can get a hold of them, <laughs> I lead them in the sinner's prayer early. And you say, well, they're too young to know about it. And then there's that theology that says, oh, they have to be 12 years old. I can't find nothing in the Bible that says you have to wait till you're 12 years old to get saved. Mm -hmm. But I do know that little children, those toddlers, those little ones, they are more sensitive to the things of God than we are sometimes. Because when you tell them about God and you tell them Jesus loves them, they believe what you, they, what you tell them and they get connected to God. I can't tell you how many times my little grands and others that have shared with me about theirs have spoken by the Spirit not really knowing what they were saying in terms of knowing it, but saying it, God using them to say what needed to be said to get my attention. And so we definitely uh, want to get them as soon as possible connected with God. If that didn't happen, we're not going to uh, just uh, hold that against the adults. We're just going to 
say when I was able to know about Christ and accepted Christ, and then we go on from there. And then some of us knew him, and we strayed away. And we have that time out in the world, but we're back again, so praise God for that. So, but let me tell you about Satan. The enemy sets us up to get upset. He'll plant you in a place with somebody to upset you, some of his folks. And so we have to know that. And he knows our weaknesses. He does know our weaknesses because remember, we were in, in cahoots with him at one time. And then he plays on those. And he knows what buttons to push to take us over the edge. He knows how to get us. We have to be so careful because he knows how to get us upset. So we'll behave badly. And so we'll say the wrong thing. He knows how to do that. He's been doing that to us all the time, you see. And we once belonged to him. So he certainly hasn't forgotten how we used to be. And that old person, that old man, or uh, we like to call the old man, the old us, uh, is still, uh, it's buried, but can be resurrected, let me say it like that. And so he knows what buttons to push, to push us over the edge, and, uh, the, you know, some of the things that the devil intends to uh, rob you of, we have to know what he tries to rob us of, is our vision. One of the things is our vision, because our vision is what takes us to our uh, destination, and our vision creates room for the next level. And uh, the enemy wants to steal your vision because he wants to make sure uh, that you don't follow what God has planned for you. You see, we're all born with a plan and a purpose for our lives. And he doesn't want that to come to pass. And so he does everything to discourage that vision. Uh, he wants it killed. And he wants uh, uh, the stagnancy, the procrastination to prevail in our lives. And uh, and we have to be careful that we don't believe the lies that he tells us, that you can't have a happy life. You don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve to have God love you. You don't deserve to have God bless you. Because I remember when, you know, I have met people in my life that knew me when I was in the world. And, uh, so now I'm not in the world anymore. I've been living for the Lord. Uh, I actually got saved at 12 years old. And then during my early uh, adulthood, I backslid. And of course, then I came back to the Lord. In fact, my daughter led me back to the Lord. And when I say that, I mean that at eight years old, she gave her life to the Lord. She was going to church with my neighbor. I had stopped going to church. I was backslidden. And so my neighbor took her to church, and when she came back that day, she said, I hope you don't get angry. But Regina gave her life to the Lord today, eight years old she was. And I said, oh, no, I'm not upset about that. And so the Lord reminded me that she should not be there by herself. You should be there with her. You should be there to support her in whatever uh, activity that the children's ministry is doing, you should be there with her. And so I did. I got up, 
the next Sunday, and I went, and I gave reinstated, rededicated my life to the Lord, and I've been traveling forward ever since. But I know what it means to be out in the world, and I know what it means to be backslidden. So we uh, have to understand that Satan is going to try to keep us from going forward and tell us, I remember when. So yeah, you remember when, but that's all under the blood now. That's all been forgiven now. Because when we ask Jesus Christ into our lives, or we rededicate our lives to the Lord, everything is in the past. And the scripture says that all things become new. All things are passed away. And behold, all things, not some things, but all things become new when we accept Christ or dedicate our lives to Christ. So what he's telling you, those lies that Satan is telling you about you can't have a happy life, God says you can, and you choose who you're going to believe. So Isaiah says, whose report will I believe? I believe the report of the Lord, and we need to learn that scripture, whose report will I believe? I believe the report of the Lord. So when the Satan comes trying to lie to us, and trying to condemn us. Because in Romans, I think it's 8 and 1, it says there is therefore now no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. So guilt is not something that God puts on us. When he, when we accept Jesus Christ and we ask forgiveness, we got that forgiveness. And so that guilt trip is not something that God puts on us. But that thing comes because Satan's trying to get us to uh, feel guilty, and 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 we're not uh, we're not uh, 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 eligible. We shouldn't be able to be blessed by the Lord. So when Satan says you can't, God says you can't, and so you have to choose who you believe. But if you start resisting the devil. It says in the book of James, I believe that's uh, chapter 1, verse, I don't give you the verse, but it's chapter 1. It says that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. Amen. That's where we're going to have to go. That's where we're going to have to learn. We're going to have to learn to resist that lying booger because he will keep you upset. He will keep you condemned. He will keep you blind from seeing what God has in store for you in your vision if you don't shut him down. So we have to stand up and say, I, can, I want you to leave now, Satan. I have lots of conversations about that when I'm driving, when I'm in my house. Satan, I want you to get out of here. Satan, I want you to shut up. You see, you have to resist him because if you don't, he'll, uh, he'll continue to harass, harass you. So we need to join forces as the body of Christ against the enemy and start seeing and believing and saying what God says about us. God's word never fails. God, what God says about you is what you need to say about yourself. You don't need to keep on repeating.
repeating Satan's lies about yourself. And I've seen some people and there's no faith talk at all. There's nothing but negative talk and nothing but condemnation. I can't do this. I'm not fit to do that. You know, we need to not let Satan tell us that. And he'll not only tell us that uh, to our, our face, but he'll tell others to tell us that. And we must always remember whose we are and who uh, God says we are. Because people will come along and try to discourage you from being obedient to God, from believing uh, you know, that you're called to do whatever you're called to do for God. We all uh, uh, have different callings. Some are not called to full ministry, but we're all called to the uh, sharing our faith with others. We're all called to do that. We're all called to witness to others who don't know Christ Jesus. Uh, we are all called to do that. And we need to know that uh, people see us and they watch us and they see how God is blessing us. And, you know, the greatest compliment is those that haven't seen us in a long time. And they say, oh, Lord, what happened to you? You have certainly changed. Yes, thank you, Jesus. We changed and we changed for the better. And I had a woman say to me when I acknowledged my call to the ministry, she said, I have always admired you. But I want what you got. Well, what I got is what I had before. Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, he just gave me a little promotion. But that's what we share. We share Jesus Christ, him crucified, and him resurrected. So we just need to know that the enemy wants to keep us in a constant state of frustration because we cannot operate in the grace of God. And that frustration, at the same time, uh, we we have to understand that he will try to hinder us so that we cannot operate uh, in the grace of God. So, But we can. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can uh, operate in faith and we can put fear under the blood because he tries to put fear into us. And then the Apostle Paul says in Galatians uh, that we not, are not to frustrate the grace of God. When we're frustrated, we're frustrating the grace of God because God's grace is available to help us. But if we are too focused on outward circumstances or inward thoughts, then we lose focus on God, you see, because God is faithful. And he keeps his word. No matter what we think, he always keeps his word. But we can get so focused on the circumstances. And when you're walking by faith, you can't look at the circumstances. You have to keep your eye on God. You have to keep your eye on the bride. That's what Apostle Paul said. And in in, I believe it's in, uh, in Corinthians where he says you need to keep your eye on the bride. No, it's Philippians. Keep your eye on the prize. So you can't afford to get distracted with Satan trying to get you to focus on circumstances. So we know the scripture will keep us in perfect peace if we keep our minds stayed on God. That's what the scripture says in Isaiah 26 and 3, that he will keep us in perfect peace. 
if we keep our minds stayed on him. So we have to remember that. We have to keep our minds stayed on God. And we cannot get distracted with the circumstances uh, and those things of lies that the, the enemy tries to uh, get us to pay attention to. So whether you know it or not, God has a special purpose for your life. He has a calling. I just talked about that. He wants you to know and pursue that calling. And some of us don't know what our calling is yet, but if we stay faithful to God, he will help us to know our calling. I really uh, have been a Christian. I accepted the Lord the first time when I was 10 years old. I was baptized in water. And uh, when I got to be a teenager, I backslid and I stayed backslidden, as I said to you all, until my daughter accepted the Lord at eight years old. So there was quite a time when I was not serving the Lord. And so once I started that and dedicated my life and, and committed myself to him wholeheartedly, it still took some time for me to really understand what my full purpose with was. But uh, between that time, I did whatever God showed me to do. Whatever you find to do, you set your hands to that. And as God leads you in that, then he will begin to get you where he wants you to be. And that was what happened to me in terms of my calling. And you see, by me being a female, I didn't want to believe that God had called me to do what I do. But I had to be in a place where he could get me to listen to him and not listen to the naysayers, you see. Because I was in a denomination <laughs> where they don't believe in women in pulpit ministry. So first of all, God had to get me out of there because all that doubt and unbelief. He showed me when I was still in that denomination that he was calling me. But you see, he couldn't get my attention the way he needed to until he got me in a place where there wasn't a problem about my gender because God uh, doesn't, Galatians tells us that there is neither male or female in the kingdom of God. He sees us not by gender, but by who he created us to be and the purpose that he calls us to. And so he wanted me in a place where he could have uh, me uh, go forward with what he had called me to do. And I'll forever be grateful <clears throat> to uh, uh, a man by the name of Dick Renal, who was, had a little ministry at that time, in the city of Cupertino in a YMCA. So I left this beautiful edifice in East Palo Alto, uh, a, 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 a worship place of, that would hold about 500 people, and went to a little church in the YMCA because God sent me there. And that's why we have to know, we have to follow God. We can't follow what other people say. We have to follow God, know his word for ourselves, and be in constant contact with him in prayer and in study of his word. Because he 
He wants us to know what his purpose is for us, and he wants us to follow him. And so the word says that I follow the voice of the good shepherd, and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. So if we know what the word says, and we know the spirit of God, we will follow him. And uh, the apostles uh, said in the book of Acts uh, that uh, we believe uh, that uh, we need to follow God. Uh, we can't stop doing what we're doing based on what man has to say. That's my paraphrase. And so we need to know what God wants us to do and our purpose, and we need to follow that. And the enemy wants to steal your purpose. He wants to make you believe that uh, that he, there is no purpose in your life, that you are just worthless, because that's what he wants you to be. And so we have to know that. So the Bible tells us, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. And you can find that in Proverbs 21 and 5. So if you want to achieve the life God imagined for you, and not the life that the enemy did, it's important that you set goals for yourself. And I know there's a lot of teaching uh, circulating around in education and other areas of the world that says you should set goals and objectives for your life, goals and objectives for your job. Some of us have, to do, have had to do that uh, in the type of work that we were in. But I need to help you to understand that God already has a plan for your life. And so you better find out what his plan is. Because if you set up a lot of goals and objectives for yourself without including him, you're going to miss it. Because he already planned from the day that you were formed in your mother's womb. He said, I knew you. You can find that in Psalms 139. He said, from the day that you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. That means that that embryo, that egg uh, that you became, that you developed from, he knew you then. He had a plan for your life then. And we need to understand that because otherwise any plans we make uh, can be plans that are not of him. We have to include him. So the goals and objectives that you make for your life have to include God. And then the enemy will try to steal your voice. You know, God uh, has uh, uh, given us a voice. And uh, one of the joys of the enemy is to silence that voice and to make sure the authority of our voice is lost. So the enemy will steal your voice without warning or notice. And he wants you to become... Uh, he wants to become the keeper of your soul. He wants to be the one to run stuff. And so you have to understand that he will steal all of your potential. He will steal everything that he can to keep you under his thumb, to keep you serving him. And even when you're trying to serve God, he will try to interfere. And so we need to be grounded in the word of God. That means we need to have that word on the inside of us. And I don't 
just mean memorize. I mean get it on the inside of your spirit so that when things come up, when Satan's lies come up in your mind, the word of God will come up in your spirit and you will hear the words that God is speaking to you from his word. You see, God doesn't speak to us in any other way but through his word. When he speaks to us, you know that it's him because he's going to have something that has to do with the word. Yes, he gives us instruction, but yes, he wants us to follow him, but he wants us to know that it is him because the enemy is busy trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, he'll try to get take your voice away from you. He'll try to get your mind. He'll try to steal your mind. He tries to put you in condemnation, and so we need to know that. So the word we have in our heart can be used to get rid of him. Get rid of him. And God loves it when we use our voice and his word and use his word to overcome the devil. You see, when you use the word against Satan, if you read that chapter, chapter in the Gospels where Jesus had fasted for 40 days, and when he came off of that fast, the enemy had plenty to say to him. He tried to get him to commit suicide. He told them that he would jump off of that building because nothing would happen to him. He was after Jesus hot and heavy. See, when you stay in a fast, uh, a, a fast for 40 days, man, you are, ladies, I want to include that. I hate the word guys, so I want to make sure I include everybody. Because we're not all guys, you know, I can go, I can preach a sermon on that. I hear people use that word so much, you guys, and there's a bunch of women sitting there. Well, when did we become guys? But anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. The devil tried to get Jesus to commit suicide. And so he was telling him to jump off the building. And he was quoting the word to Jesus. But Jesus had a response for everything that he had to say to him about the word. You see, some people know the word, but they're not uh, part of it. They're actually using it to try to hinder you, uh, trying to discourage you. So you need to know the word for yourself. So we need to understand that uh, in order to do what God has called you to do, whatever your ministry is, your ministry could be feeding the homeless. But I've done that. And your ministry could be to children. Whatever God has called you to do, that is going to be your ministry. And I love to use Reverend Robeson as an example because he wanted to be trained to be an usher and so we did that and so he sat back there at the door he was the doorkeeper and so I ordained some deacons and some other people and so I said to him one day I said well uh, brother Richard uh, is God speaking to you about a higher calling and he looked at me he said no pastor I'm satisfied where I am so God let him sit by that door until he couldn't do it anymore. And then he raised him up. He elevated him because he had that plan for him from 
before he was formed in his mother's womb. And there are others of you who right now are sitting on your calling, but God is going to raise you up. And I promise you that you will be able to do what he called you to do. So the fulfillment of your ministry uh, is something that the devil wants to keep you from doing. He doesn't want that. So when you uh, recognize that you're dealing with the devil, uh, he you're going to have to put him behind you. And so Jesus said to Satan when he was speaking to him upon that uh, uh, where he was trying to get him to jump off of that uh, high place he was in, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. And you have to say that too. You say the blood of Jesus against you, Satan. You see, he can't tolerate the blood of Jesus. That blood never loses its power. And when we speak about the blood, uh, he knows he's got to get out of the way. So we need to understand that this call that we have uh, doesn't go away. The callings of God are without repentance, it tells us in the book of Romans, that once you have a call on your life, whatever that call means, it's not going away. And God will get you where you need to be if you trust him. And so we need to know that the Holy Spirit is the gatekeeper of your mind. That's what I want you to know about that. Now, I'm not going to be able to do all of this today, so we're going to have to make this two sermons. But let me talk about your destiny, and then we're going to close. Now, we talked about your vision, and we talked about your calling. We <coughs> talked about your voice, your purpose. So we've talked about a lot of, of uh, uh, important parts of uh, where the devil tries to shoot us down. And... Uh, I'm wondering if I want to wait on this destiny until next time. So, your destiny is summed up as your mission on earth. And the enemy knows that when your destiny is killed, uh, you become a walking corpse. Okay? You're the walking dead. That's what it really means. Spiritual discernment can save you from the destructive lies of the enemy. Ask God for spiritual clarity. Then ask yourself, am I spending time with people who support my goals? You see, you can be in the midst of people who will uh, have uh, be used by Satan to hinder you. You have to understand that. You see, Satan don't play fair. He don't play fair at all. So he'll even use your family members against you. The scripture says, Jesus said, not Mary said, not Pastor said, but Jesus said, your enemies are in your own household. And believe me, brothers and sisters, I can tell you that better than anybody else. And I love my family, but I'm telling you, they can hinder you. So you must be careful. You know, we have biological family and we have spiritual family. Sometimes our spiritual family will try to hinder us. I say in my book, I'm, I'm, I'm just about finished with that book, or at least the first, uh, as much as we're going to put in this first book. But uh, in that book, I talk about betrayal a lot. 
And I talk about it because as a minister of the gospel and for those who are aspiring or have been called in any way, you need to know that you will be betrayed. And who do you think that you are that you're not going to be betrayed when Judas, who was a part of Jesus' uh, inner circle, betrayed him? Betrayal is something that we will experience. And often that betrayal is coming from the people that are closest to you. So your biological family, the enemy will use. So your spiritual family, sometimes the enemy will use them to attack you, to lie on you, to try to discourage you. I use those words because I'm familiar with those words and I've actually lived through it. You see, I've been in ministry now long enough to know that, you know, being in ministry is not a hard, is not an easy thing to do. But you have to trust God and you have to trust God more than anyone else. You put him first in your life. The scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all the other things will be added. You've got to have him first. And then all those other things will be added to you because he has all power. He has everything you need. The scripture tells us that he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So he has everything. And so what you need to do is uh, uh, know how to use the gift of discernment. You need to ask God for spiritual clarity when things are going on. And then you ask yourself, am I spending time with people who support my goals? Am I venturing out on a path that will propel me into my God-given calling? Are my group of friends really for me? And let me tell you, I had a mother who was very discerning. She was a praying lady. She wasn't too... Uh, keen on some of us, what she called, didn't take all that Christians because she was raised in the Methodist church when they were very stiff. They were a part of the frozen chosen. So she didn't believe that you need to make all that noise and clap your hands and do all of that. But she got up every morning and took her Bible and went into the bathroom for prayer because we had a small house. So it wasn't a lot of it was a lot of activity going on. We getting ready to go to school and all of that. So she just take that Bible and go into the bathroom, lock herself in the bathroom, and stay in there until uh, she uh, uh, had her meditation, her time with God. And God gave her the gift of dreams. So He showed her many things in the dream. She had a dream about every death in her family, her siblings, her mother, every death in her family, God would warn her when people were getting up on her that were not good for her. And so as a good mother, she would tell me, you know, so-and-so is not your friend, or you need to stay away from that girl because she's not good for you. And I get angry with her. Oh, mom, you don't like none of my friends. But you know what? As an adult, I now know that that woman had, she was right on top of it. She was so right on top of it. Because let me 
tell you something. Some of the very close friends that I had that I grew up with, now they don't have nothing to do with me because I'm too holy for them. Not that I say that, but I, they say that because, you know, once you do, your life changes, you have to change the uh, friends. And uh, you may not want to change them, but they'll change for you because they don't like what you're doing. They don't like how you're living because you ain't doing what they're doing no more. And they will get away from you. But then there are those that will follow you because I want what you got. I see your life is changed. Can you tell me how I can get my life to change? You see, and there's your introduction. Well, let me tell you about Jesus. But, you know, we need to understand that we have to be careful who we hang out with. And sometimes we're just innocent little lambs. You know, lambs are so innocent and the grass is so green and they just follow the grass and pretty soon they go over a cliff following the grass for a thing. So we are innocent and God knows that, but he gives us uh, gifts to try to help us uh, be more discerning, more understanding, more sensitive to him and to know when the enemy is trying to fool us. So the good news is, is that we can beat the enemy because we have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. And we know the truth of God's word and we don't have to take the bait. That's the good news. We don't have to take the devil's bait. And the enemy will still kill and destroy your blessing just to discourage your walk with God. He wants you to question God's goodness. He'll make you jobless. All right, somebody. He'll destroy your children. Uh, and shame you, try to shame you, tell you you're a bad parent. He'll, uh, I lost my notes here. <laughs> he'll, he'll, uh, 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 mess with your, with your, your children. That's what I was saying. He'll make you jobless, steal your joy, try to shame you, destroy your children, all so that you will deny God. That's his motive. When he started messing with your kids and caused them to not be the way they are to be, he's trying to get you to deny God. I was a woman who was uh, an officer, a leader in the church, and my son was a drug addict, okay? And in my day, if you had a kid like that, you didn't let everybody know that you didn't let everybody know in the church I was in. Because in that church, they said you were a bad parent. Here, my firstborn, who is really a young man who was headed to greatness uh, in here with his basketball abilities. And not only that, he was very smart. And uh, here he is caught up with dope. And when I got called me go to Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Eric was in his deepest place of his addiction. And my son Chris was so uh, sad for his brother. He saw his brother coming out of the house across the street from me, which had become a dope house, and his eyes just watered up. He was so sad for his brother. But see, let me tell you about that church I was in. See, we hid that stuff. And uh, so David Lewis 
uh, I didn't know David Lewis, but Eric did. They were raised up in East Palo Alto, and they were hanging out together with their dope. And so his mother was a member of the same church I was before God moved me. And uh, I didn't know about David, and she didn't know about Eric. So then these men get clean and sober, and by that time, Eric has even gone home to be with the Lord. And uh, the free at last opened up. And I go over there because they had their grand opening. I was going to do the invocation, but I also brought some food because they had asked us to supply some food. And here is Cora Lewis in the kitchen. And I said to her, what are you doing here? She said, oh, David is my son. I said, oh, well, Eric is my son. And we started laughing because we had been in that same church. And you didn't let them church people know that you had a dope addict son. My God, they didn't. my pastor knew it. And he had prayed with Eric and all of that. But you don't let them church folks know because they then say you're a bad parent. That's what was going on with me then. But honey, let me tell you now, I'm happy. Not happy because my son had an addiction, but he did get clean and sober, and he lived clean and sober for nine years before he passed away. And I'm pleased, thank you, Jesus, to share with anyone who wants to know that, that I can help. And I have many, many spiritual children who have gone through that same thing. And I'm pleased to say I've gotten about